It's the Jenny Hatch Show at Blogging Mothers Magazine, and I am your host. My special guest today is Dr. Leonard Horowitz. And before I invite Len on the show, I would like to share a testimonial. A few years ago, Sherry Kane told me about a website called 528 Records where I could upload my own music and turn it into 528 frequency music. And I had two concerts that I had sung in with professional choirs. The first was the Denver, Colorado Mormon Chorale that I sang with with my husband in 1999. And we performed John Rutter's Gloria in Latin with professional musicians, the Boulder Brass. This is my all-time favorite piece of music, and we sang it true, and the recording was just exquisite. And I loved it even before I changed it into the 528 hertz. The second piece of music was with a group that I sang with in 2006. We performed Brahms Requiem. The choir was the Colorado Repertory Singers and the Broomfield Choral Festival, and we to have musicians from the Denver Symphony come and accompany us. So I had these two copies of music. Brahms Requiem, we sang it in English. I know a lot of choirs sing it in German, but we had the English version with these professional musicians, and then we hired soloists. Again, a concert that I sang in, I was a part of, and it's my all-time favorite Requiem. So I took these two pieces of music and added them to the 528 Records catalog and downloaded them and have had them ever since. And I kid you not, I have listened to both of them upwards of a thousand times each in the intervening years. And every time I have felt uplifted, I have felt renewed, I have felt made whole. When my heart was heavy, when my heart was aching, I would listen to this music and it would renew me and restore me. I used it to teach prenatal yoga to young mothers who are expecting babies. They love the music. And it has been my own personal medicine in the intervening years that has just helped me in every possible way. So, Leonard, thank you for 528 for music. Thank you enough, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jenny, it's great to join you. It's great to speak with you again after all these years. And that was a beautiful story. What a beautiful testimonial. You know, I I just am very thankful that you have that experience and that we share it. You know, we really, uh, we listened to 528radio.com this morning. And whenever we get, like, really kind of, like, frazzled, stressed out, all we have to do is take out the 528 tuning fork and strike it. And just, you know, you vibe instantly to what virtually amounts to the Holy Spirit power of love and divine communion. And it's so peaceful. And frankly, since we spoke last, we've had so many magnificent revelations from the science world even. All over the world, people are awakening to the benefits of 528 frequency and getting even just the most amazing scientific justifications and corroborations of why it is so special and the music is so uplifting, healing, and rejuvenating uh, that we're very, very thankful. 
And we're also thankful, as, as you know, for the divine revelations that have brought us to this time and place. And so wherever you want to go, I really greatly appreciate your friendship and all these years of support you've given Sherry and I. And thank you for continuing the work that you do to educate the planet, edify, uplift, a lot of people who are in need right now. There are. And there have been times when I felt like I was at death's door and I would listen to my music and it was even more powerful if I sang along. I'm a singer. If I sang along, the, the resonance and the frequency would immediately change in my body. And I believe the music has saved my life. So we're in this place where today the COVID vaccine is being deployed around the country. It's the first day, and it's a scary time for many of us who are activists, wondering if there's going to be coming a mandatory vaccine for us down the road. So I would like you to address, number one, your lawsuit. Do you think it will go? I mean, you've called for a a jury, a jury trial. Tell us more about the lawsuit. Well, the lawsuit is a federal lawsuit in the Middle District Court of Florida, and that is um, a, a lawsuit that in which I have actually personal standing because many, many years ago, I was the chief professional advisor for the largest dental and medical catalog supply company and generic drug uh, distributor and vaccine distributor. His name is, his name is Henry Shine Corporation. Shine Pharmaceuticals and Medical Supplies is very well known in medicine and health care. And I was their top guy. I was on the road. I actually trained about 30,000 healthcare professionals in sterilization, disinfection, waste disposal, barrier protection. I used to routinely, in my ignorance, recommend vaccinations before I woke up. And uh, that caused, I was caused to wake up by... First, my mother dying of Guillain-Barre, which is a very common vaccine uh, side effect. And so I still didn't wake up after that happened, and it took me a couple years. And in 1996, when I was just finishing my first best-selling book, Emerging Viruses, AIDS, and Ebola, I started to look at what the ramifications were of injecting into human bodies foreign RNA and foreign DNA, foreign proteins from sourcing from bacteria and viruses and fungus and yeast and chicken embryo and bovine fetal serum and monkey kidney tissues. And I was reviewing the immunology and virology in this whole field of vaccinology. And then I suddenly woke up to the fact that my mother had died from that injury, having taken the, the initial swine flu vaccine in 1976. My mom was a beautiful, beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, a Jewish woman from Vienna. And she scrubbed the streets at Nazi gunpoint at age 16 when the Nazis came in. And it took me years. And what was you know, stunning and really motivating for me personally was my mother, as I was growing up, always said to me, Lenny, be careful. You know, I've lived through Hitler, and I've lived through, I got out by miracle literally on the last boat that made it out of Europe that was not turned back. The St. Louis was actually, came to New York, and they turned it back, and the 
and the Jews and others on the boat that were destined to die went to the concentration camps. And my mom said to me, you know, this could happen anywhere, anytime, any place, in any country. And I said, Mom, you can't believe that. That doesn't, doesn't make any sense. And I was so foolish, Jenny. I said to her, the reason why it wouldn't happen now is because you have the media. It's not like before. Well, I was so wrong. And I then began to study and awaken to what was happening in my field of expertise in public health. And, of course, vaccines was the sacred cow of public health. You don't ever say anything bad about vaccines. Uh, you know, the allegation and the myth was that it cured polio. Well, so research in developing my whole emerging viruses thesis, my book, and scientific publications, I started to research the history and then realized that the people that my mother escaped by miracle coming out of Nazi Vienna after Kristallnacht being made to scrub the streets at Nazi gunpoint, I realized that the people that she escaped at IG Farben, which for all practical purposes was the Third Reich SS, top officials at at SS, uh, were intimately connected to the Rockefeller cartel. They were married partners. Rockefeller Standard Oil Company was giving oil and fuel supplies to the Nazis, but withholding it from the Brits and, and the Western access. So I started to wake up and realize that my mother had been killed by these same people. She escaped from Nazi Vienna by miracle. And then I really realized what I was doing. I had been educating approximately 30,000 healthcare professionals between 1990 and 93 And I can't tell you, probably hundreds, if not even a thousand or more people that I urged to get vaccinated with the hepatitis B vaccines. That was before I knew that hepatitis B vaccine had brought AIDS to the world. And I then realized that I had caused that in my ignorance. And so forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. You know, Jesus said and that's the, the same way now. Here we are faced with COVID-19, and you have the public health officials, my colleagues, recommending elderly in nursing homes get the COVID-19 vaccine. And I'll tell you something, I, I, I've been, like you, an activist to try to wake people up as, as best I can and as quickly as possible, because I know we're saving lives. But, you know, we're just voices, you know, like lone voices crying in the wilderness that the message that we have to share uh, is, unfortunately, it's a David and Goliath story. So there's my lawsuit. I take my personal uh, experience with Henry Schein and today, Henry Schein is one of the leading distributors of the COVID-19 vaccines and everything having to do with sterilization, as I mentioned, disinfection. Waste disposal, barrier protection, the protective clothing, the masks, the goggles, all of this I actually helped to sell way back in the early 90s for Shine. And today now, I can look back at why I was fired. I was fired because I refused to go along with the company that was making vast fortunes off of the fear of getting AIDS and healthcare. So basically, I I started to publish uh, some science. So 
scientific papers, and I actually had to go out of the United States to the British Dental Journal to publish a main thesis by which I worked with the FBI using their methods and materials to solve the mystery of a Florida dentist that infected six of his patients with his strain of HIV AIDS. Well, I got fired for doing that research. I got fired for not basically suppressing and censoring the truth about what happened in the state of Florida with transmission of AIDS virus to six patients. And you see, the company was starting to make so much money, actually billions of dollars after people became afraid of going to health professionals and clinics and hospitals, fearing that they would get AIDS. And now, as COVID-19, and as I've been researching these vaccines, I realized that Shine was at it again. They're all involved in a conspiracy to conceal vitally important information about the vaccines and about the actual plot, the scheme that deals not just in the vaccine industry and big pharma, but it goes to big biotech, big, big tech media. It goes to the globalist Bill Gates. It goes to the World Economic Forum, and it goes to Johns Hopkins that sponsored before we had the, the Wuhan outbreak. Six weeks before that, they actually predicted and exercised everything that they would do as COVID-19 emerged. Later, I realized that Anthony Fauci lectured in, on January 5th, 2017, as the Trump administration was starting its transition into the presidency in the White House, Anthony Fauci, who was informed by the CIA and James Bennett, director of the CIA, Fauci was informed that the Trump administration was going to experience a hideous new plague. And that's what he was lecturing on at Georgetown University in the beginning of January 2017. Why don't we we talk about that a little bit? Do you believe that this vaccine or the plague started in China or did it start in America? It started in America. You see, it, it was the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and it goes back with Fauci and his patents in this whole field. You have to go back to, to Fauci's voluntary moratorium in 2014 on coronavirus research, advanced function, hyperweaponization, this um, kind of like fast uh, modifying, mutating the virus to have advanced function and have it become hyper-transmissible to humans. That research was going on at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill in 2014 with Fauci, who was actually operating in partnership with Bill Gates. And Gates has a plan with the global elite to bring about globalization, one world government, and actually connect people's brains the neurosciences, researching finance, research at Harvard and at at, um, MIT in the neuroscience domain that Jeffrey Epstein, the pedophile Epstein, and his financiers at the highest levels of the financial and banking, investment banking industry, that they were financing neurosciences and the goal, the goal, is to connect the human brains and civilization to the cloud being done via nanotechnology. So people are talking about the chips, the biochips, the mark of the beast, 
but really you've got to talk about actually the COVID-19 vaccine lipid gel coat that has the nanotechnology in it. Tiny, tiny, nano-sized technologies that permit censoring the internal metabolism and physiology and chemistry of the blood that can also actually record vaccinations and give readouts and medical histories of people transmitted from the human body once you get vaccinated via this nanobiotechnology to radio signal receivers such as a cell phone. So that that really, that kind of research, of course, Central Intelligence Agency with their for-profit arm called NQTEL have been investing in these kinds of surveillance and population controlling devices for years. And so today, what's not being said is more important than, what, than what's being told about the vaccination. You've got to look at the nanotechnology within the uh, they're telling you about mRNA, messenger RNA, and that's bad enough. But, and, and by the way, you'll see over the next 24 to 48 hours, a newsletter come out of healthyworldstore.com and Healthy World News be sent out to everybody that's on our mailing list. You're, I'm sure, going to receive it. That deals with why it was that 24% of the FDA experts did not want to endorse this, would not certify this, recognized it as unsafe. Well, they were probably not just considering the DNA and the messenger RNA modulation of the DNA to cause more antigens, more spike protein antigens from the virus to be produced by the human body. That's how it works, or at least that's how they're telling us that it works, this vaccine. But really what they're probably aware of, as I am aware of, that the, the lipid coat that permits and facilitates the binding of the virus, or actually in this case, it's the spike protein mRNA genes that the lipid coat envelope of lipid, which is a oily type of substance, And that attaches to the human cells, and that's what permits the delivery of the payload of the mRNA into the cells. Well, that whole technology is probably what, (coughs) excuse me, the FDA officials realized was part of the risk. So you had out of 17, you had 17 in favor, four opposed, and one abstained. And then, you know, there's so much I could tell you about the risks of, of getting this vaccine, particularly in immune-compromised or elderly people in nursing homes with, with medical complications galore. But really, you know, going back to the issue of what was my lawsuit, what's my lawsuit about? My lawsuit really doesn't get into what I'm telling you now about, but it gets in terms of the nanotechnology. Because there was enough substance, enough objection. And enough fraud in the advertisements and marketing of the safety, the alleged safety of these vaccines when they're grossly unsafe. The fundamental issue and claims that I'm raising, there's three out of eight claims in the federal lawsuit, whereby I'm stating that this is a violation of unfair and deceptive trade. Well, the deceptive trade is what I just mentioned. 
falsely advertising that these vaccines are safe. They're literally genetic therapy. That's a quote, genetic therapy, end quote. That's from the filing, Pfizer's filing, Moderna's filing, classified this vaccine. It's not a vaccine. The, the FDA looks upon it as a drug. But it's not just a normal drug. They call it a game changer. It's a novel new concept in medicine and health science and clinical uh, therapies, including cancer therapies. This is basically called genetic therapy, and they call it that in their uh, in their applications for the EUA, the Emergency Utilization Authorization. They tell the FDA, the government that this is actually not really a normal drug. This is a genetic therapy. So that's what the vaccine, now that's part of the falsification of the advertising. But that's the least of it. Not, that's not even really that, you know, heavy duty in terms of persuading a jury to say you've got a major problem here, a major tort of false advertising and a crime. Uh, it's virtually abuse of a biological weapon that that should not uh, be protected by the laws that govern the pharmaceutical uses of biological weapons. The, I thought the it was that, interesting, Len, that you said that it would turn people into GMOs. It would turn them right. into genetically modified organisms. Exactly. So that's really where the substance of the lawsuit and the claims of of false advertising and the false advertising is in claiming it is a vaccine, but the genetic therapy is really where the risk to society is and the falsity in the claim that this is going to be beneficial to society. Because what happens and this is what I deal with in, in the lawsuit, in the complaint, that when you inject a human being with this, uses the AIDS virus envelope gene, the four genes within the AIDS virus attachment mechanism is on the spike protein of the coronavirus that we've got the pandemic. So, this spike protein that is shown in images that people see it sticks up from the virus, the, a major part of that spike, which permits the attachment of the virus to the human cells to cause the infection, that is made of four genes from the AIDS virus. And all of this technology that we're talking about, the mRNA vaccine, so to speak, that technology comes out of about 20 years of AIDS vaccine, AIDS virus research, and vaccine development. So this is the technology that Anthony Fauci has largely patented in and has patents that are being used and are usable by Moderna in this field. And of course, he's partnered with Bill Gates, and Bill Gates is heavily involved in actually partnered with the Canadian company, and you'll read this in the newsletter that's coming out. Partnered with a Canadian company that actually is producing that lipid envelope attachment layer that actually allows the delivery of the genetic information into the cell. Once then the genetic information goes into the human cell, 
it modulates the DNA. It actually corrupts the DNA. It poisons the DNA. It tells the DNA, and it actually tricks the DNA. And it tells the DNA that it's got to produce more of these spike proteins. So now your, your own cells, your white blood cells, DNA in it, starts to produce more of these AIDS virus genes, spike protein attachment mechanism, then the theory is what they're claiming that this will do and they're, what they're claiming that this does is that once your body cells and DNA starts to produce these antigens, these foreign genetic materials, spike protein, once it does that, then your other white blood cells will, your bodyguards, your B cells, will start to produce antibodies to it. And so you will not only be able to adapt to having been injected by the vaccine, and that's what you see when you uh, review the FDA's and Pfizer's presentation before the FDA, you see that what they show you in the graphics is that the people who got vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccines compared to placebo group, they suffered, the, the vaccine recipients suffered a huge increase, like about 20, some odd 23% or so, got inflamed joints and muscle pain. And they, they had that happen for up to two days. And then supposedly it disappears. Well, I don't think it disappears because what's the function? What's the function? The function is to get it into your cells so that you produce this antigen. You produce this spike protein that lands in your joints and goes all over the body. And then what happens is if your B cells, your bodyguards, and your antibodies come and supposedly neutralize this attack, then they say, well, that's going to be good also to prevent a real virus, coronavirus attack. And that's going to be good for help, helping herd immunity. Gee whiz, there's so much speculation. And actually, in, in my opinion, it's a, a criminal misrepresentation and fraud that's ongoing here. Because really what you're looking at with HIV AIDS, for example, this is a slow it's called a lentivirus. It's a slow-acting virus. With people who get AIDS, they develop initially a flu-like illness. Okay, and it goes away, just like we're witnessing now with COVID-19 after the injection. But you see, there's a three- to seven-year incubation period where these viral particles are now in the cells doing the same thing that the Pfizer-Moderna mRNA vaccines in are doing, corrupting the DNA so that then cells start to produce over the years, especially with poor lifestyles and immune compromised behaviors where you have a reduced capacity to withstand infectious diseases and viral attacks, suddenly now the viruses grow. So with AIDS, you've got a three to seven year incubation period where suddenly you can get this cancer complex. It reminds me of something I think Maurice Pillman said back in the day that, you know, they were they were mad that the AIDS took so long. So it looks like they fixed that problem. 
Well, that that may be true. You know, that may be true. But see, the 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 problem, as I see it, you know, if I think three to seven years from now, I'm already looking at advertisements for virtual marks of the beast, the biochips, the technology has advanced so far beyond what we, the consumers in the mainstream media, have informed us about. And the warnings that we've received, even from the, you know, the independent presses, you know, the Alex Joneses of the world about there being a mark of the beast. I have not yet seen, Jenny, I've not seen one authority, consumer advocate, such as myself, step forward and say the things that I'm saying right now. And I know no one that's actually output this level of intelligence that exposes really where the real game is. The game is not to do what my lawsuit is about or what we've just talked about in terms of the genetic manipulations and the potential risks. My lawsuit says that the two major risks that create a urgency for the court to impose uh, an injunction and enjoin the FDA, which they already have not done, it's too late, but You see, the the lawsuit itself, which brings public attention to these two main points. Number one is, down the road, three to seven years from now, you could develop all these cancers from the genetic manipulation. Number two is, inside the body, there are viruses. Some are called lentiviruses, slow-acting viruses. Some are like Epstein-Barr, cancer virus. Some are like the HPV, the herpes-type viruses. That causes cancer. That causes the, the, the you know, the... Uh, cervical pap- cancer? Yeah, the, pap- um, the human papillomavirus, the cervical cancer. Right. So you have these viruses in us, and it's only by weakened immune systems that these viruses actually take root and grow so, and, and into tumors and into cancers. And that's the number one concern. In the lawsuit, the second major concern is that once you've done this, you virtually have let the you know cat out of the bag, open Pandora's box, and now you're attempting to you know hit and kill off all of the beasts that you've just released. Well, when you literally now have all these people who have been injected with COVID-19 vaccine. And they have these AIDS virus spike proteins through their system. What's to say that they're hacking and coughing and or blood, uh, blood donations and other means of transmission isn't going to go out and affect civilization, children, children's children, future generations, but also other viruses in the environment? Hello, Ebola. Hello, the rhabdoviruses, the rabies-type viruses out there that sourced Ebola. How about the H5N1? And there's, here is your most likely scenario. If I were to prophesy as a scientist, looking at what we've been hearing as a warning for the past pretty much, you know, better part of 15 years, that H5N1 is in China in chickens, and that bird flu kills 65% of the humans that it infects. So the recombination 
of the bird flu, H5N1, with potentially COVID-19, SARS, HIV, AIDS, now you're looking at exactly what the Bible talks about, about a great plague in the end times where 10,000 are dying at your left and 1,000 dying at your right. And unless you carry the Lord Almighty with Jesus in your heart, it's going to be in too good shape. Yeah. So that, that, that's really where, you know, my personal message is and my personal faith, but that's essentially where the lawsuit goes is I have standing because what I'm seeing is that as somebody who was fired from Henry Schein, and there's a, a whistleblower law in the state of Florida that I'm exercising, and I am uh, claiming that this is a racketeering enterprise that we're dealing with, and I'm bringing specific claims. Because also, you mentioned the beautiful, wonderful blessing of, of 528 frequency, and that's what we use in oxysilver. And if you yeah, really... when, the, when COVID started, I went ahead and purchased a whole case of oxy silver, and my husband and I have both been using it anytime we had even just the least little symptom. We'd take a couple of capsules, and neither of us have gotten sick. Yeah, isn't that magnificent? I'll tell you, Sherry and I rely on it absolutely faithfully. We always pray when we take it, and it's miraculous how it works. I mean, the other the other night I said to Sherry, I feel like I'm coming down with something. I did exactly what I told everybody else to do. I went, took three capsules, closed my eyes, prayed, and within literally seconds, I was feeling better. Within minutes, I was absolutely perfect again. Never got sick. And that's, that's how it works. Now, why this is so important right now is because part of the unfair and deceptive trade that my lawsuit is about, and, and what really humanity is suffering from in this gross deception. So the deception and deceptive trade that the vaccines are so safe and that basically these are the, going to be the salvation, that this is Bill Gates, he says it's the final solution, you know. Well, gee whiz, in order to make that claim and statements, you have got to suppress all of the natural medicines, all of the natural alternatives. So you've got Vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, chlorophyll, uh, the hydroxychloroquine, oxysilver with 528. That's a double, double antioxidant. You've got the silver-oxygen combination. That's an antioxidant. And then on top of that, there's been independent research since I spoke with you last. Uh, I didn't even realize they were doing this study until about a year after they published a, a group from Iran, University of Iran learned about my work with 528. They took that frequency and played that wave form to cell cultures in which they put in various toxins, including alcohol. And then they measured the antioxidant activity in the cell cultures. And they measured how many cells were dying versus living before and after the wave of 528. And lo and behold, they actually published that they saw, they recorded a 100% increase in the amount of antioxidant activity going on in cell cultures with nervous system cells. They used brain astrocytes, nerve cells of the brain. And they found that potentially for alcoholics and people who were intoxicated with alcohol, there was just from the wave form itself, 
just like just listening to the music you were talking about, just listening to 528 radio where the trans- music has been transposed to the 528 frequency, or listening to the tuning fork that I use to just, you know, chill. They found that it protected 20% more of the cells from alcohol damage. So this is now, unfortunately, the urgency of what humanity needs to be awakening to is the fact that you have antioxidants. Now, once you get into what is an antioxidant, how does it work? When you start to get into that, now you're going to be dealing with the most magnificent revelations, absolute extraordinary revelations about how simple health actually is, how it can be regulated, how it can be controlled. And, and I mentioned on an interview I did earlier today from Boston, the concept of advancing natural medicine to take over what we call healthcare today and shattering the medical paradigm is what's happening right now. And evidence of that is if you look at, for example, the primary function of DNA, I explained to the audience earlier this afternoon, primary function is in sound and light signaling. You have photons and phonons. Photons are light packets, so that's light. And phonons are acoustic waveforms. So little packets of wave energy, like 528 is a wave. And so that is how DNA actually works. I call it an antenna to God. And you see what's taking place is all energy, all movement throughout the entire universe is based on electrons. Electrons. There's your antioxidants. That's what would neutralize the COVID-19 attachment mechanism. Because the, the spike protein with the AIDS genes in it is all positively charged. How do you neutralize that? Simple. You put some alkalizing agent, you put an antioxidant, which delivers negatively charged electrons. So negatively charged electrons neutralize the positive acidifying spike protein on these viruses. And cancer is the same thing. Cancers don't grow well, if at all, in an alkalinized state. They require acid. What causes acidification are all the major lifestyle risks. Caffeine, nicotine, sugar, stress, pharmaceuticals, uh, the uh, sugar, chocolates, refined carbohydrates, and lots of red meat. Hard to digest. Got a lot of acid. You got to basically produce a lot of acid to digest it. So these are acidifying. And that's what permits immune suppression and the viruses to grow in our bodies. So why isn't the public being told this? Why are we deceived in saying that the final solution and humanity's salvation is in vaccination with genetic materials when, in fact, you've got all the solutions right here and now? And in health science and in clinical medicine and in oncology, in cancer clinics today, the most advanced therapy of all deals exactly with what we're talking about. It's called photodynamic therapies. Photodynamic therapies basically takes a cancer, if you've got a cancer, wherever it is on your body, you paint it a little bit with a chlorophyll-like molecular structure. Of course, they sell it in the drug you know, industry. They, 
mark up the price ridiculously so that now you're paying probably $10,000 to paint your tumor instead of, you know, a couple cents. And then you actually shine light on it. You shine infrared, uh, a low infrared radiation beam light onto this chlorophyll. And of course, chlorophyll receives 528 frequency from the heart of sunshine. That's how come we're producing oxygen. uh, You know, we're breathing and being sustained by oxygen. That's coming off mostly the chlorophyll. That's receiving the negatively charged electrons coming from sun, solar radiation, via the heart of the rainbow, that greenish-yellow color. That's why chlorophyll is green. It's got magnesium in it. It reflects that into the windows of your soul, your eyes, color. That's your heart chakra in oriental medicine. That's your heart of the universe in, in physics. But basically, that's now the most advanced chemotherapy or cancer therapy, if you will. It's really minimally risky. There's virtually no risk whatsoever. All you can gain from it is the benefit of the antioxidants, the, uh, the negatively charged electrons in the light is now shining on the cancer and it's killing the viruses therein, such as with the HPV, it would be killing the herpes type viruses that cause or that are associated with the human papilloma uh, disease and cervical cancers, you shine that light and the negatively charged electrons neutralize the acid and it binds up and destroys the viruses. And it then basically just permits the tumor to degenerate and you just get rid of it. You slough it off. And so that's, that's photodynamic therapy. They're antioxidants. You're, oh, actually, yeah, you're actually just, you know, putting antioxidants, electrons, energy. And that's the Holy Spirit power of love, by, by the way. Well, I got to tell you, I, I want to share a little story. Um, I started as a birth activist because I was a childbirth educator for eight years. I taught the Bradley method. And when I had my first baby... I was studying the book of Matthew with my husband in the New Testament in the Bible. And there was a day when I was just sitting there nursing my daughter, reading Matthew 24, which is the chapter when Jesus' disciples come to him and said, we know you've come this first time, you know, you're born, but we also know you're going to come later in the end times. We want you to tell us what it's going to be like when you come in your glory. And so Matthew 24 is pretty much the Savior outlining the conditions of how things are going to be here on the earth before he comes in his glory. And I came to verse 19, which is, Woe unto those who are pregnant and having babies and breastfeeding in that day. Woe, woe, woe unto them. As I read that verse, I had this sense of Heavenly Father kind of tapping me on the head going, You know, this is your generation. And I want you to learn how to become self-reliant with your mothering. And I was like, what what does that mean? What does that look like, you know, birth? And I had this feeling he wanted me to learn how to exist as if the medical profession did not exist. And so I, my first inclination was to say, I don't have time to go to medical school and learn what doctors know. 
I just had this baby. I don't have the grades to get into medical school. And it's funny to me now that that was my initial reaction to this charge from the Lord. You know, I have to go learn about pharmaceuticals and surgery. The things I have learned about birth, I did not learn from any doctors. I, I learned these things by study and also by faith. So that by the time I had my fourth baby, I felt comfortable going completely solo with my prenatal. I didn't do any prenatal care with the doctor. And I gave birth to my son in my bedroom alone. And we didn't have as good of an outcome with his birth as we did with our next birth. We had to transfer to the hospital for some help. But I still gave birth to this 11-pound kid all by myself. And when I had my next my next baby, Ben, we did the same thing, my own prenatal care, and I gave birth perfectly to Ben with no outside problems. As I learned this and felt the rejection, Len, you cannot believe the rejection that your your peers and your extended family and the concern that people have when moms do this sort of thing, uh, it was just such a heavy load to bear because I just felt like my tribe was rejecting me for my choices. And I wanted to say, hey, it's not me. It's, it's this thing from the Lord, you know. And what I've come to believe recently is that those of us who felt called to do this in the 90s, and there was a large group of us all over the world who were feeling the exact same promptings, we were preparing the way for what's taking place right now when you have women all over this earth who are choosing to give birth at home alone because they are so concerned about COVID and the hospitals. I just read an article out of Switzerland the other day, and they said that the moms are choosing to give birth alone. They don't feel safe going to the hospital. And I'm over here going, I, I personally think that's a good thing. But, you know, here we are. And in the book of Revelations, it says that when these plagues, these Babylonian plagues, are taking place, that Heavenly Father says, come out of her, my people, come out, which tells me we have a choice. We have a choice to partake of this madness or not. And I have largely chosen to stay divorced from that system. I don't want to be a part of those plagues. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, we're kin, clearly, the persecution that you've faced from your community, I've likewise experienced. You know, Sherry and I really don't get along with too many people because we're basically way in advance, you know, looking at what's really happening. And very few people have eyes to see nor ears to hear this kind of truth. And so we have suffered extraordinarily from counterintelligence, even CIA operatives, you know, my own work with emerging viruses has been really, uh, you know, it's beyond incredible that I'm still actually here uh, by the grace of God. I actually shouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the angels of protection, but it's a lonely road. You know, being a prophet, being 15 years ahead of your time is exactly what you're talking about. That's what you have. That's part of paying the dues of being a, a servant, a humble servant of the creator and trying to bless and edify the congregation, wake them up. Uh, 
you know, I feel completely as an outcast, largely from the Jewish religion, because I accepted Yeshua. And I feel somewhat of an outcast from the Christian them because essentially the the political aspects of what we're witnessing, the globalization, the global reset, the finances of Bill Gates and company, and the manners in which they have manipulated everything, captured everything, captured. You know, regulatory capture is what the phrase is when you're dealing with the FDA. You know, you had 17 idiots, four smart heroes said, no, these vaccines are not safe. I won't endorse them. One of them said, I'm not voting on this. I don't trust either. I, I don't trust what the situation is. And if I say anything, um, I'm going to uh, suffer something. So they basically wouldn't even vote. But 17 idiots voted. And how come? It's regulatory capture. We've been talking about this for years. And so has even some of the mainstream news media outlets have been saying the politicians, lawmakers, and even the judges, the courts are all corrupt. Well, so are the churches and so are the synagogues. You know, I went to Israel a couple of years ago on the mission to address the orthodoxy and the Hebrew orthodoxy because they take such pride, and I do too, in the city of David in Jerusalem. And if you go there, it's one of the most extraordinary places on earth. It's right adjacent to Temple Mount and the Great Wailing Wall. And they've been doing excavations where you can actually see the civilizations over the millennia. Each civilization is just extraordinarily interesting. And you see the layers now. They've uncovered, they've dug up all the layers. Well, when I was there, you walk into the city of David in Jerusalem, and the first thing that greets you is a huge, beautiful an image of King David's harp. And King David played a healing harp. And the key of the house of David is obviously the key that he tuned the healing harp to. Now, you're talking about Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Isaiah 22, 22, and I know you're familiar with this, and Isaiah, Isaiah 22, 22, and Revelation 3, 6 through 8. Old Testament, New Testament has the same prophecy. It says in the end times, when there's, you know, it happens in the end times where this verse comes into play, where there's wars and rumors of wars and earth changes and weather changes and great plagues that strike. Then the sixth angel from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, the church of Philadelphia. And by the way, that, that, that's in the Bible, the church of Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia didn't exist in the 1500s when the King James Bible was printed. So how did that come about? Well, that's really interesting because Philadelphia deals with philos. That's love. And you look at the science book. The first science book was called Physics by Aristotle. That's the same source word. Root source word is philos, love. So science has evolved and religion has largely evolved out. And Jesus' ministry is all about love. And so you begin to realize that the sixth angel from the city of Philadelphia comes to herald this key. And look at what's happening in Philadelphia today. Riots, crime, shootings, killings, going off the charts. Isn't that interesting? So when you say, like Jesus said, 
come out of her, her, my people, lest you be infected by her insanity, her hypocrisy, and her great plagues. Now, more than ever, is that ringing true? And so this is, you know, the revelation. So I went to Israel, and I said, okay, folks, we need a cure. We need a remedy for this insanity and hypocrisy. And I know Jesus was before, Jesus came before you and said to your predecessors in interest here in the temples, hypocrites, lay down your usury. Stop this insanity, this cause of human suffering and enslavement, because the freeing truth about God's love and the power therein in the Holy Spirit is salvation. It's the salvation message. So as any rate, I went to the I went to Israel and I attempted to contact as many Orthodox Jews as I possibly could. And I said, tell me, please just answer this question. You know, I'm very blessed to have worked with some of the world's leading physicists and mathematicians. And having been blessed with revelation divine, I can tell you that 528 appears to me to be the key of the house of David. It makes complete sense. It's miraculously healing. Well, Why you know, would so I, anyway? I said to them, if you can tell me, other than five twenty-eight, what is the key of the house of David? Please let me know because I think the world is ready to have that remedy. I haven't heard anything yet. <laughs> I haven't heard back. No, I believe it is too. And I there's so much in Isaiah about us coming to Zion. And Zion is where we will be of one heart and one mind. Says that we will come singing yes and i believe that literally that we we will sing our way home to zion absolutely and absolutely zion is where there's the pure in heart and mothers and fathers love their children you know the apostle paul said that of our day that they will have they will not have natural affection and there's so much brokenness in our people um and i i believe so much of it comes from trauma around childbirth, mothers not properly bonding to their babies, and so much needless suffering that could be fixed and prevented if we were to really teach our young people about their bodies, the facts about how their bodies function, instead of drugging and surgically removing these children from their mothers. And so I feel very passionate about my birth work still, but I'm, I'm right there with you on the key of the house of David being music sung in God's key. <laughs> what do you call it? The, the 444 hertz. You had a term for it. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Leah, love hertz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah five, five, you know, A444 gives you C528. That's essentially for the musicians out there who are listening. And, um, you know, the what, devil's key or something. Well, that, that's the that's A440 and and 741 is the devil's tone in musicology, and that's that's the only one that doesn't get along. There's nine core creator frequencies to the universe in the musical mathematical matrix creation of divine design. Nine core creator frequencies. The only one of those that doesn't get along with love 528 happens to be what the Rockefeller institutionalized Western world's music. Uh, features it's f sharp it, it is the 
heart of the D major chord. So it's a major chord. It's played all the time. And it causes your pineal gland, uh, your third eye, and your chakra, which is your spiritual gyroscope. It's kind of like if there was one chakra besides the crown chakra that connects you to God and reorients us, it's that, you know, third eye chakra. Intuition, intuition comes through there. But also fear. It's a fear-based, egocentric area of the body. And that's what the Rockefellers having institutionalized the A440 standard tuning, which gives you that devil's tone 741 frequency. You know, that's what I think they intended. They, they found it occurred after about, they, they found it and, and, and then institutionalized it after 10 years of acoustic weaponry research and development at RCA and BMI. And so this is military and it's, Population control, it's MK Ultra. it's the most powerful technology to suppress human, humanity's spirit. And that's the big, you know, spiritual warfare game that we're engaged in and we're witnessing unfolding right now. Well, and, and uh, we know yeah. what casts out all fear. Jesus Christ taught us that love is what casts out the fear. And Amen. When, when my son was being born, my little Ben, who's now 18... Uh, at the most difficult point in my labor, my husband said to me, what, what do you need for me? What do you want me to do? And I said, I need you to sing. So he pulled out our hymn book and just started singing to me. And he sang our baby out. And then nice, beautiful. the first time he, was, he gave a little cry, Paul jumped, jumped for joy. And That's beautiful. So the message I want to send to anybody, we're winding down, the message I want to send anybody listening is that we can find healing wholeness happiness and joy through love that's it it's love do you have any final words Len yeah no just that's exactly right I, I, I'm totally have the opportunity to be as super superhumans we are actually you know we will be singing to each other chanting to each other even probably rhyming in verse to each other to communicate. I think that that's maybe where we're going, where we're heading as a civilization and an awakened, you know, people. Anyway, God bless you, and, and it was a pleasure to join you again after all these years. Yeah, thank you, Len. I so appreciate you being on the show. God bless you too, and everybody, go find Dr. Len Torowitz on the internet. His work is the best out there. Thank you, Jenny. God bless you and your husband and the, and the children. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.